Good morning, Village. Let's come back together. I will echo the sentiment, Happy Mother's Day to all the moms that are here. And it is, it is good to celebrate motherhood and in a, in a month to celebrate fatherhood. And Happy Mother's Day to my mom who isn't here this morning, but um, probably watching online. So Happy Mother's Day to you. Uh, one of the things I love about Mother's Day and Father's Day is it's the truth of Scripture shining through a dark culture. So no matter what people are saying about marriage and gender or whatever, we still won't give up Mother's Day and Father's Day because creation shines through. And the created order shines through. And God made moms and God made dads. And He made us different and unique to complement each other. And it shines through. And so we, we celebrate today. Um, I, I want to start with a fun question. Go back, some of you in your way back machines, to when you were living at home with your mom, and um, some of you more recent, some of you still are. What are some things you learned from mom? What did you learn from mom? Perseverance, okay? Unconditional love, faith. Housekeeping. How to be independent. Oh, mom's taught us more than this. How to ride a horse. How to ride a horse. That's pretty cool. That, I, that was not on my list of expected answers this morning. I like it. How to recite the alphabet backwards. Life skills. <laughs> That's awesome. How to cook. How to have fun. Grace. Someone said grace, I think, over here. Love for reading. What? The Bible. Amen. And that's a good transition. We have learned so much from our moms, from both of our parents. And actually on Mother's Day and Father's Day, we're going to spend some time connecting Titus 2, where um, we, in discipleship in the church, are passing on wisdom that we've got, connecting that with the, the nuclear family and how moms and dads pass on that wisdom. And so we're going to look at a, a variety of things about that this time and on Father's Day. But I wanted to start with just a short little video of things you'll never hear mom say. And these, these remind us of, of what mom tries to teach us. But I would bet those of us that if we can think back to living with our moms, these are probably things we never heard mom say. I'm so bored. I wish I had something to do. <sighs> Thanks for letting me sleep in, kids. If you make a mess in the kitchen, please let me know so I can clean it up. Raising kids is so easy. I just love driving around all day. Oh, I never have to repeat myself. They always listen so carefully. Oh, look. An empty box of cereal. Love it. Just wipe it on your sleeve. It's pretty cold, but you don't need a coat. Oh, you don't have to push in your chair. Don't make your bed. You're just going to sleep in it again later. I think I'll skip the coffee today. You know, these throw pillows look way better on the floor. I'm really not that busy. Well, you haven't showered in three days, but I think you smell great. We do have food at home, but let's just go out to eat. Just brush your teeth whenever you feel like it. Here, take my phone charger and go put it in your room. Oh, just leave your dirty dishes on the counter. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, let's all pull out our phones. Youth sports are so cheap. Braces are so cheap. School fees are so cheap. Hey, can you come crawl in bed with me around 2 a.m.? Thanks. 
Okay, I just spent two hours making dinner, but if you don't like it, that's fine. Just let me know and I'll make you something else. Don't even bother looking for that. I'm sure it's lost and gone forever. Can somebody please throw something at my head? I mean, I can keep track of every single one of your things. I get a ton of sleep. I get a ton of gratitude from my children. I get a ton of unsolicited help with the housework. Oh, you don't have to hurry up. We're going to be right on time. Can someone please throw something at the TV? Thanks for doing the laundry, everyone. I'm sorry, I can't hear you. Can you use your outside voice? Ah! Fight! 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 The floor of this vehicle is so clean, I can't believe it. Oh, good. Another trip to the grocery store today. Let's go. So I, I know moms, you can relate with a lot of those things. Those of you with little ones, you can relate with a lot of those things and teenagers. And um, I, I think what got one of the biggest laughs at our house is when the mom is watching her son's fight. And she's going, fight, fight, fight. And um, I have never heard Susie say that. Um, <laughs> Things we've never heard moms say, and and we won't because moms are trying to teach. They're trying to pass on life skills. They're trying to pass on personal discipline. And so much that moms and dads together are passing on. This morning, I want to take that sort of humorous concept and say, how do parents try to pass on the faith? How do we pass on our love for God? How do we pass on a, a, a love for God above all else to our kids? And And what does God's word have to say about that? And so, like I said, this isn't necessarily a particular message to moms, but to moms and dads, to parents. But also in the New Testament, Jesus redefines family to include church family. And so this includes how we pass on the faith with each other, how we how the, the older teach the younger and come alongside and, and be involved in their lives, and how we together encourage each other to walk with God and to stay true to God. We're going to be looking this morning at Deuteronomy chapter 4. And I know that the the common place to go is Deuteronomy chapter 6. And we've gone there before. It's the theme of our children's ministry. But just in case you were so used to Deuteronomy chapter 6, we're going to do chapter 4. And it covers the same type of things. But it reminds us of our commitment to passing on the truths of the faith. Our title this morning is To Younger Me. And I I asked a lot of you to to write out a note of what you would say to your younger self, to how to walk with God and how to stay true to God. I'm going to share some of those at the end today. But the idea is, how do we pass on a love for God above all else when we know that Christianity is a personal decision? It's not a decision mom and dad can make for their kids or we can make for each other in the church but we can create an environment where the Holy Spirit works and draws people to himself. And so we want to look at that. We'll be looking, like I said, at Deuteronomy chapter 4 today. And our key verse will be 9, but I want to look at some verses before that and some verses after that to see where the flow is going. And, and we need to understand Deuteronomy is, it, it means second law. And this is Moses at the end of his life At the end of 40 pleasant years in the wilderness, okay, maybe not so pleasant if you've been there, at the end of 40 years in the wilderness, this is Moses now reaffirming the law, reiterating what God had told them, and preparing them to go into the promised land that he wouldn't be allowed to go into because of his disobedience. 
but he loves his people. He's preparing his people. And so as they're at the cusp of going into the land, he's like, this is what I want you to remember. And this is how you have to pass it on to your children and your children's children. This is vital and this is important. And so we come to Deuteronomy chapter 4. And in verses 1 and 2, we read, And now, O Israel, listen to the statutes and the rules that I am teaching you, and do them that you may live, and go in and take possession of the land that the Lord, the God of your fathers, is giving you. You shall not add to the word that I command you, nor take from it, that you may keep the commandments of the Lord your God that I command you. Then verse 3, Your eyes have seen what the Lord did at Baal Por. For the Lord your God destroyed from among you all the men who followed the Baal of Por. But you who held fast to the Lord your God are alive today. There's some pleasant words. See, I have taught you statutes and rules as the Lord my God commanded me, that you should do them in the land that you are entering to take possession of it. And what we see is, is this whole section and the couple verses that follow is really a setup for what he wants to say. And the, and the setup of the truth, and, and this is his conclusion as well, follow God, not idols. Follow God, not idols. Follow his statutes. Follow the life that he has given. Follow his instructions. Keep his commandments. And then he brings up Baal Poor. And this is out of Numbers 25, if you want to go read the story sometime. But it's, it's probably the most recent display of idolatry and of unfaithfulness to God in the children of Israel. And they followed Baal Peor, which was an idol, another god, a false god. And many of them followed that idol and they were killed and they were destroyed. And so Moses here is using that as just a visual to say, follow God and live. Follow idols and die. And it's that simple what he's saying. He's trying to use this illustration or this real incidence to show the importance of this. And so uh, he starts this whole section, follow God, not idols. And here in these verses, following God brings life rather than punishment for following idols. And he's having them remember the judgment that follows idolatry. Now we're in a series called Deep Idols. And whereas we're not dealing with that series today, again, idolatry and a love for something more than God is in every book of the Bible. And it's, it's confronted in every book of the Bible. And he's saying, as, as we're going to find out in verses that follow, if you're going to pass on a love for God, you've got to warn them about idols. You've got to warn them about other loves and draw their hearts to the true and living God, the only God that can bring life. And so he says in verse 4, But you who held fast to the Lord your God are alive today. Cling to Him. Cling to His Word. And that's the idea of holding fast there. And then in verse 6, he talks about what happens when we do follow God. And again, this is all part of the setup. Follow God, not idols. Following God brings wisdom and a powerful testimony, and idols don't. In verse 6, keep them and do them, the commandments of God. For that will be your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the peoples, who when they hear all these statutes will say, surely this great nation is a wise and an understanding people. And he's comparing the foolishness of following idols, the death that came with that, to now the testimony and the wisdom that comes from following God. And so he says, follow God, not idols. You get punished if you follow God. You have wisdom and a testimony if you follow God. Punished if you follow idols, sorry. 
<laughs> Did I say punished if you follow God? <laughs> punished if you follow idols. Wisdom and testimony if you follow God. I think it's fun that even here, it's talking about what the nations will see. Even here, it's missional. Even here, it's how do people see the glory of God. And when we follow God and not idols, it makes a statement to the world. And then 7 and 8 sort of conclude this introduction. Following God shows others that God is near to us and wants us to be righteous. Not so with idols. Verse 7, For what great nation is there that has a God so near to it as the Lord our God is to us whenever we call upon Him? And what great nation is there that has statutes and rules so righteous as all this law that I set before you today? And we read this, and I, I think it's hard for us to think of, of God's law and God's instruction with God being near and God loving us. Because sometimes in our society, we think of law and instruction as, as bad things and, and ways that people are just controlling us and means they don't love us. Moms, have you ever used the word, because I love you, X. That's why I'm telling you this. That's why I'm giving you an instruction. And you may hear your child at some point say, well, then don't love me so much. Because they don't want to hear that instruction. But instruction is a sign of love. I, I, and I've told this story before, but I remember one time when we were in Israel talking to the guy, and we we're talking about the law, and I was bringing sort of a Western mindset into the law. I'm like, yeah, that must be hard, having the law and follow it. And he's like, no, 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 no. You don't, you don't understand. The law is beautiful. I'm like, really? What? He goes, no, no, that means our God cared about us enough to tell us what he expected and to tell us how to be in an intimate relationship with him. That means God was near. And my eyes just went open because that was a mindset I had never thought of before. That's what we see in this verse, in, in, in verse um, 7 there. For what great nation is there that has a God so near to it as the Lord our God is to us, whenever we call upon Him. And that's what it meant to them that God had come and said, these are my Ten Commandments. These are the, the word from the Lord that you're to follow. This is how you walk with me. It is so much better than a God would say, just figure it out, and if you get it wrong, I'm going to judge you to eternal damnation. That makes no sense, right? So do you see how this is loving and a sign of God's love? And all of this is under the introduction, follow God, not idols. And so then we get to verse 9, which is where I want to spend the bulk of our time today, and, and a key verse, and we'll get our main points out of verse 9. So how do we do that? How do we keep ourselves from idols? How do we keep our hearts to God? And in this case, Moses is saying, how do you pass that on to generations that follow? And the three words that I want you to remember, and you can fill in your blanks and go to sleep if you want. Guard, remember, and pass. Guard, remember, and pass on what you remember. Verse 9. I'm going to read the verse and then we'll break it down into some of these points. Only take care and keep your soul diligently, lest you forget the things that your eyes have seen, and lest they depart from your heart all the days of your life. Make them known to your children and your children's children. And that is the core of the instruction in this chapter. That's the, the, the meat in the sandwich of stay away from idols and stay away from idols, as we'll see. Take care, keep your soul diligently, lest you forget the things your eyes have seen, lest they depart from your heart all the days of your life. Make them known to your children 
and your children's children. And then we'll see verses 10 through 14 are an example of that, an example of remembering what God has done and making them known. But look at the words of that verse. Only take care and keep your soul diligently is how it starts with. And so the first point we see there is guard what your soul pursues. Guard what your soul seeks after, what you thirst after. Guard what goes into your soul. Guard what your soul pursues. The word there, keep your soul, is, it can be translated guard, actually. It, it, it translates to keep watch on, keep a gate on, control what goes in, control what influences your soul. What's interesting is the, the wording there is, is a, a, um, a repetitive wording, only take care and keep your soul. And, and it really means take care and take care of your soul. Or take care to take care of your soul. And it's just the, the thing that they often did that when they repeated something, that's how they showed importance. And so Moses is saying, this is vital. If you're going to pass this on, if you're going to make known to your children and your children's children how to walk with God, how to make Him first in your life, start with your soul. Start with guarding your soul, what goes into it. And, and you've heard this from this pulpit before. It always starts with our walk with God if we're to pass anything on, right? If, if we have nothing to pass on, we have nothing to pass on. And so Moses starts with guard your heart. And he adds the word diligently there. Be intentional. Take it seriously. This is not an idle thing that you hope to have happen, but something that you intentionally plan and make sure happens. Guard your heart. See, guarding our heart means looking at our heart, or guarding our soul means looking at our soul. What's going into it? Where's it at? What sin is there that needs to be dealt with? Allowing God to deal with our deepest desires and the things that are our core to our being. It means praying with David, like in Psalm 139, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any grievous way in me. And lead me in the way understanding. Think about that verse. It is This verse just rocks me sometimes because it's David not even knowing if there's sin in his life, but so diligently concerned with his soul that he says, okay, God, if there's anything, show me. If there's anything I need to work on, reveal it to me. Do whatever it takes to guard my heart for you. And if we pray that, God will answer that. And it might be painful. But stripping away the sin or the sin beneath the sin is always painful, but always helpful. And it's a way that we guard our hearts and guard our souls. And so the first instruction here to the people about taking care of idolatry and passing on faith is guard what your soul pursues. Guard it. People with the attitude of guarding and keeping watch, they're always looking to learn. They're, they're, like we said, they're praying that psalm with David, but they're open to correction. They're open to hearing. They're looking to read books or, or to find ways to, to learn and to grow with God. These are the people that instead of saying, oh, oh, I know so-and-so that really needs to hear that point Pastor Ron's making. Instead of saying that, they're the ones that say, man, I needed to hear that today. How's God working in my heart? How's He working in my life? So this point, this starting point, really, we need to ask ourselves questions like, what goes into my soul? What feeds my soul? What brings my soul joy? 
Because the things that bring me joy or, t- or happiness, however I want to define that, the things that I'm seeking for that are the things that my soul holds dear. And if that's temporary things from this world that don't last, then I need to change some things in my soul and what my soul pursues. See, passing on God's truth starts with our own example. It starts with guarding our own soul. Moms and dads that are here, you can teach the best Bible lessons. You can have the best resources and the best pictures in your Bible storybook. And if your kids don't see a love for God in your soul, that is what they'll learn, not the stories you tell them. Kids have this amazing hypocrisy radar. Probably because they live with us. And they see the true self. And, and I'm not saying we have to be perfect as parents. But I'm saying we seek God and pursue God with our soul. Which means if I sin, if I come like David did and say, Oh man, there's cred in my heart. Then I go to God and I, I ask for forgiveness. And I let my kids see me do that. If I've offended them, if I've sinned against my kids, I go to them and I apologize rather than, well, I'm in charge. I don't have to do that. I don't want to, I don't want to portray any weakness. How about if we portray godliness and what it means to repent? Here's a, a, a simple truth. A poisoned well passes on poisoned water. Right? And so if you want to pass on good water to your kids, if we in discipleship in the church want to pass on good water to others in the church that we are encouraging and holding accountable, then we need to have good water in our soul. A non-poisoned well. And so the first phrase of verse 9, guard what your soul pursues. The next section, lest you forget the things that your eyes have seen, and lest they depart from your heart all the days of your life. A reworded point too to be more on the, the positive side, what we should do. Remember what your real and near God has done. Remember what your real and near God has done and focus your heart on Him. You could just shorten that to remember God. Remember how He's worked in your life. Remember what He has done. Rehearse them. Find ways to not forget. Throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament, but the Old Testament especially, the children of Israel kept forgetting what God had done. And and the instruction from the prophets was always, remember, remember, remember. You have a faithful God. Remember how He took you out of Egypt. Remember how He did this and this and this and this. And village, that's where we need to be if we're to pass on our faith. Remember, what has God done in your life? When did He save you? What did he save you out of? How has his grace sustained you? What points in your life has God come in and just taught you incredible lessons? When has he shown up in a visible, tangible way? Remember those things because those things remind us that God is faithful. You know, sometimes I talk about spiritual markers and we saw that with Joshua that even as, as the, the people were going through the Jordan River that God had separated, you remember what God had them do? They brought stones. And that's what the stones actually on our, on our patio remind us of. They brought these big stones out of the middle of the Jordan. And on the side, they piled them up. And it, it, had, it had one main purpose, to remember. 
to remember what God had done. So every time for generations to come, they come and they're like, Dad, what's this, this silly pile of rocks? And Dad could say, let me tell you what that silly pile of rocks means. That was the day God was faithful to my family. That was the day God saved us. That was the day God worked in ways that blew us away. Those are the stories we need to pass on and rehearse to our families. But remember them. Remember what God has done. He's not a physical idol that's easy to to find comfort in because we can see it. And so we need to remember and we need to rehearse. We sang today about Ebenezer's. And that verse of the song is not about the Christmas story and that's not about Ebenezer Scrooge. And Ebenezer was a, a pile of stones or a marker of some sort that would remind you of a truth. And so when we sing, here I raise my Ebenezer, it means I am placing a stone here so I must remember what God has done. We need Ebenezers. We need more Ebenezers. I don't know what that looks like for you. Some of you are are just like creatives and you have rock gardens in your backyard and you've written Ebenezers on them. I think we started that once and we have a couple out there and then then we forget. Um, For me, I I have a a file in my, my computer. So I'm a computer guy. Uh, I have a, a file in my computer that just has spiritual markers. And as God does something in my life, as, I, as I'm aware of it, God's always doing stuff in our lives. But as I, I finally open my eyes, I'm aware to it, I just put it in there. The date and how I saw God work. Going back and reading through that, do you know what that does for faith? For reminding ourselves of God's faithfulness? And then we, it reminds us to walk with God. It reminds us that there is only one true God. There is only one living God. There is only one sustaining God. And this is part of being an example to our children, guarding our soul, but then remembering what our real and near God has done. And so we read in that verse, lest you forget the things your eyes have seen. Don't forget what God has done. And lest they depart from your heart, all the days of your life. And the instruction there is to remember them in your heart. Let it infiltrate your person the rest of your life. So we've got to find creative ways to do that. I also think this is part of where community comes in because we can rehearse to each other what God has done, right? And that's what he's going to go to with the family. But when we come together on on Sundays to the gathering of the saints, part of that is saying, do you know what God has done in my life this week? Or do this is what I see God doing And we encourage that because someone else may be having a day where they're like, I don't know if God's working. And this is hard. And then others come alongside and say, this is how God is working. And we as community come together and we lift each other up because we remind each other to remember our faithful God. Amen? Amen. Don't neglect coming together and reminding each other of who God is and what He's done. So don't forget the things your eyes have seen, lest they depart from your heart all the days of your life. Just to give us a preview of of verse 10 through 14, I know I'm not there yet, but he's going to talk about that there. He's going to give an example of that. Because what he's going to remind the people of, is he's going to say, remember 40 years ago? Remember 40 years ago when you were around the mountain and God came and talked to you in fire and he gave you the words or the Ten Commandments that we, we call the Ten Commandments? Do you remember that day where God showed up and God was near and and it was this incredible spiritual experience for you all? Remember it. 
And so, so Moses here is going to do what, what I'm asking you to do. Find ways to remember when God showed up. And don't forget. And so, so far we have guard and we have remember. And then the last section of that verse says pass. Pass them on. Make them known to your children and to your children's children. Make them known to your children and your children's children. And so the final instruction here, it's great to remember, but now talk about it. Tell. And I thought of using tell as my third word, but I really liked the idea of passing it on with what we're talking about. We pass on truth to our kids, not just with instruction. Instruction's good. Instruction is a foundation. But kids primarily learn through through story and through example. And so God knew that. He put it in his word. He says, pass on the stories of what I've done. Make what I've done and how I've shown up. Make that known to your children and your children's children. To generation and generation. By the way, grandparents that are here, you have a a huge role in this, don't you? By the way, your grandkids are your children's children, just in case you didn't um, put that together. And your experiences in life are huge in telling those children the stories of what God has done. That's one of the ways you pass it on. Some of you have been believers for 60, 70 years. And there is power to you being able to say to your grandkids, you know what, I accepted Christ and when I was in church when I was a child 60 years ago, and God has never let me down in 60 years. A grandparent saying that to their grandkids is amazing. And then if you follow up with, and here's a couple times I really saw God work. And your kids will be learning and soaking that in like a sponge. Your grandkids will. Pass on the truths of what God has done to your children. Tell them the stories of what God has done. I can just picture the stories that were going to come because the Joshua with the stones was after this. It was actually an obedience to this of not forgetting. But can you imagine the grandparents who walked across the Jordan and then watched the walls of Jericho fall? Can you imagine the stories they told their grandkids 40 years later? You know, when I was a kid, we walked around a city for seven days and the walls fell down. And God did incredible things. Oh, those stories are beautiful. And those stories are needed. And those stories are powerful. That's how we speak to each other in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs and encourage each other. That's what we need to do with our kids. Moms, dads, if the core of your family time is always instruction and what they're doing wrong and what rules need to be, oh, augment that with stories of the beauty of Christ's grace. And what he's done. Because that's how you'll change lives. That's how you'll pass on your faith. That's what makes God real to them. It's interesting. A couple of authors had some things to say about this. Um, One author said this, Conversation about experiences that family has had can become a very strong identity buttressing event in the life of children. So this is a little, little more um, from an edu- uh, academic standpoint. So understand the, the idea between identity and building identity as a family. But they should have a sense that this is our history. This is who we are, and it is beautiful. 
It's what happens when we tell stories of what God has done. See, the truth and visuals from your life will speak more when they are tempted than almost anything else. Moms, dads, do not hand this task over to the church. Do not hand this task over to the school system. Do not hand this task over to your Awana leader. You are the primary person that will pass on your faith. And you'll do it through your life and your stories. Now, I'm not saying those things are bad. I really do want kids to come to Awana this week. But the church, we are serving as a, a secondary support system for you, a reaffirming support system that your kids can hear the truths at home and the stories in your lives, and then they come here and they hear the same thing, and they're like, oh, other people believe that too, and that's powerful. But we aren't primary. You are. So don't hand this task over to anyone else. Embrace it. Grab onto it and say, I will teach my kids what it means to love Jesus. And they'll see it because I love Jesus. Another um, author said this about their mom and this idea of passing on. He said, I have no hesitation to say that the most important Bible teacher in my life was my mother. She was a convert from Buddhism. I do not think she ever attended a class on how to study the Bible but she told her five children the stories of the Bible when we were children. And from those, we imbibed the Christian worldview, which all five of us continue to follow. It was mom living the stories of the Bible, telling the stories of the Bible, and passing it on. Moms, dads, grandmas, grandpas, you carry a unique opportunity with you to pass on the faith. In this room, we have spiritual moms and spiritual dads. You carry that same opportunity to pass on the faith in the community of church family. But we need to guard ourselves. We need to remember what God has done. And then we need to be intentional about passing it on. Church is family. So we do it here. In your homes, it's family. You do it there. But we remember what God has done. Then he goes to 10 through 14 and he helps them do this. He walks them through remembering an event. In fact, the, a, a key event where God sealed his covenant with them, where God showed them that he chose them as his people, where God was, was present with them. And you see, even in verse 10, that through this, they're to fear God. They're to draw close to God. It's to be watching their own soul and their heart. And then you see in verse 10, even the passing it on. You see everything you just talked about. Verse 10, how on that day you stood before the Lord your God at Horeb and the Lord said to me, gather the people to me that I may let them hear my words, which we knew was the Ten Commandments and the law, so that they may learn to fear me all the days that they live on the earth and that they may teach their children so. So you see all elements there. You see guarding your own hearts, fearing the Lord. You see remembering what God did 40 years ago and you see passing it on to your kids. And you came near, in verse 11, and stood at the foot of the mountain, while the mountain burns with fire to the, heart of, to the heart of heaven, wrapped in darkness, cloud, and gloom. Then the Lord spoke to you out of the midst of the fire. You heard the sound of words, but saw no form. There was only a voice. And, and what he's doing there is actually setting up an argument against idolatry again. You heard, but you didn't see a form. It's not about things you, objects you worship. It's about the living God. 
And He declared to you His covenant, His his loving kindness covenant with you, which He commanded you to perform. That is the Ten Commandments. And He wrote them on two tablets of stone. And the Lord commanded me at that time to teach you statutes and rules that you might do them in the land you are going over to possess. And so these, these verses serve to bring up an incident in their lives. Probably one of the most incredible incidents in their lives where God showed up on the mountain in fire and, and, and clouds and it, mixed in there was the golden calf and God still giving the, the Ten Commandments and all of that, Moses is saying, remember. Even 40 years later, remember and pass on. And so he's doing what he asked them to do. Then we come to the, the rest of the section, 15 through 20. And I, I want to read it. I know, I know it's not in the passage that I put at the top of the notes. But I want to read on because he's sandwiching the concept of idolatry here. We started with fear God, stay away from idols. We end with fear God, stay away from idols. Deuteronomy 4.15 Therefore, watch yourselves very carefully. Watch your soul, what you put in. Since you saw no form on the day that the Lord spoke to you at Horeb out of the midst of the fire... Beware lest you act corruptly by making a carved image for yourself in the form of any figure, the likeness of male or female or any animal on the earth. And he goes on, birds and anything that creeps on the ground and fish. That's a weird one to worship, but okay. Um, He says, stay away from all that. 19. And beware lest you raise your eyes to heaven. And when you see the sun and moon and stars and all the host of heaven, you be drawn away and bow down to them and serve them things that the Lord your God has allotted to all the peoples under the whole heaven. And he's saying, don't worship the creation, worship the creator. God has given creation. He created creation for our good. Don't take something that's good and elevate it to ultimate and elevate it to your highest love. Stop it. Watch yourselves and make sure your first love is God. Started the chapter that way. Ending the section that way. In the middle, guard, remember, and pass on. That's how we do this. And I love verse 20. But the Lord has taken you and brought you out of the iron furnace, out of Egypt, to be a people of his own inheritance, as you are this day. And he reminds them that the one true God is in relationship with you. He, he has done great things. He brought you out of Egypt. He's actually having them remember again. He brought you out of Egypt. Remember what he's done. And you are his people. Village, remember what God has done. Remember your true love. Remember that God is the God who shows up. That God is the God who comforts. That God is the God who works. And he has made us his family. He has made us his sons and daughters. And then tell each other and tell your kids and your kids' kids. Tell those that are younger than you at church. Tell those that are are same age as you. Tell each other what God has done and how he showed up. And let's help each other guard our souls against the deepest desire for idols. That's the message of this passage. And it may seem, well, the instruction is pretty simple. Really? Just, just, just guard my soul? Remember what God has done and pass it on? 
Well, let's start there since that's what the Bible says. Maybe, maybe that's truth. And it is because it's God's word. You know, sometime in your quiet time this week, I encourage you to read Deuteronomy 6, the more familiar passage. But you're going to see the same sequence. Love God, stay away from idols. Remember what he's done and pass it on to your kids. Love God, stay away from idols. Can we be a church that passes on truth? That passes on what God has done? And not just with teaching. Now, now, please still come on Sunday morning and let's study God's Word together and come to men and women's Bible studies and study God's Word. Teaching is essential. But let's also be a church that has testimonies of how God has worked. And actually, as we come together in discipleship and mentoring, that is so much of how that happens, is sharing life together and saying, this is how I've seen God work. This is what I want to pass on. And so I asked you the question in the last couple of weeks, what would you pass on to your younger self? To you at half your age. And so the answers are, are from all ages in the church. And the answers are directed to all ages in the church. Well, probably not to a hundred-year-old person because double the age would be problematic. Um, <laughs> but as I read through your answers, man, it was, it was wonderful. It was wonderful to see how God has worked in your lives. And your answers built my faith this week. And your answers were powerful. And so I want to share some of those. Today I'm going to share um, the answers from, from women um, for Mother's Day. Um, on Father's Day I'll share the answers from, from men. But these are some of the, the ways that some of the women here have said this is what they could wish them, they wish to pass on to themselves at a younger age specifically in the area of how to live for God, how to live sold out for God, how to have Him be our first love. And I tried to sort of group them um, in, in different lessons. And so I'll, I'll share that and then I'll share what people said. But just take a moment and listen. Because there is wisdom here all the way from those that are 13 to those that are 90. And wisdom we can learn from for each other. First lesson to pass on that some of our ladies would pass on is to delight in God. Not just follow God, but delight in God. One person wrote, I would definitely ask God to open the eyes of my heart and teach me to delight in Him. It happened in my 60s and I wish I had done it much sooner. God is so good. Other responses came in to trust God more and worry and complain less. There are a lot of responses that, that would fit under this category. And I think we can understand that. One person said, stop complaining. Trust that God has your best interests in heart and go with the flow more often. That's what they would tell their younger selves. Um, someone else would tell their younger selves, um, especially they were thinking of themselves single, um, don't stress over who you're going to marry. God has it all worked out. Someone else said, Learning to really trust God is what they'd passed on. I've always trusted him, but in the past few years, I've had situations come up where I had to choose to put my faith where my mouth is. And he has been faithful every time. So much needless worry for so many years. I wish I'd done this years ago. Part of this is being sure to build Ebenezer's. I did not plant this one. This came in separate. 
Part of this is being sure to build Ebenezer's memorials of what God has already done as reminders of his faithfulness. They said not necessarily physical memorials, but making notes in a journal. And one of our plans for the, the courtyard is um, we're going to build sort of a rock area with, with some boxes that rocks go in, and it's designed to be an Ebenezer. That as God teaches us things, we can write on it and add these rocks to these crates. It's about passing on our faith. Another set of, of advice that women would give to their younger selves, know that God knows best. His plan is best, so don't be anxious about your plans. Someone wrote, another thing I wish I would have understood is that God always has our best in mind. His plan is the best. Oh, that, that, that's needed advice, isn't it? God's plan is best because he always has our best in mind. Someone else just wrote this verse. The heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. Proverbs 16, 9. Some of our ladies encourage their younger selves to remember that God is still at work in the hard times. Find, it, find your strength, find your worth in him. This life will have pain, and many will, and many things will not go the way you had hoped or even prayed. And then they quoted the best movie ever. Life is pain, Highness. Anyone who says differently is selling something. From The Princess Bride, if you haven't seen it, that's your assignment later today. Watch it with mom. But God will bring beauty from the ashes. And will give you joy in Him. No matter what you face, Jesus is worth it. Keep following Him. Walking by faith day by day because He is faithful and true. Incredible advice. Someone writing to their younger selves. Isn't it amazing we look back and say, I wish I had known this. I wish I had lived this. Maybe I knew it in my head, but I wish I had internalized it in my heart. Someone else wrote, I would tell younger me that all the teasing that led to a deep sense of worthlessness and depression were false. Because you accepted Christ, you are a beautiful and treasured daughter of the Most High, amen, who has loved you since before the dawn of time and created you to be exactly what He wants you to be for such a time as this. He knows what He is doing and can be trusted. He knows every sorrow and hears your every groan. He can make immense beauty from the ashes that fall. He will accomplish what he has begun in you, for he is amazingly faithful. Hold tight to him. Keep your faith in him alone, not in anyone or anything. You will find that he does not disappoint. And they reference Psalm 27 and Psalm 139. What truth from you ladies in our church. Someone else wrote, no matter how dark or unchangeable things seem, God is a God of miracles. He is working in every situation and changes people's heart. He's not going to leave you where you are, so trust in His plan and His timing. I love this part. And don't go kicking and screaming. Oh, we all go kicking and screaming sometimes. But God knows best, and He's working His plan. 
another set of instructions or, or things they would pass on. Allow God's word to speak truth into your life. Someone said they would pass on to their younger selves, memorize Philippians 4.8 a lot earlier. <laughs> whatever is true, whatever is right. They said, I have a constant negative and anxious reel playing in my head, sometimes louder than others. Memorizing this verse has given me a great weapon to stop those voices and to speak truth to myself. Again, so many years wasted mentally beating myself up instead of speaking truth and life into my thinking. I think we all could could bear with memorizing Philippians 4.8 and saying that more often. Someone else be more disciplined in seeking God. Someone else, you were saved, justified by grace through faith, and you are being sanctified by grace through faith. Although effort is involved, sanctification is more about the surrender of my will, grace, and dependence, faith, upon the Holy Spirit than about striving. They're encouraging us to seek God and seek His help and seek the Holy Spirit in passing on godliness. Someone else, I would encourage my younger self to genuinely seek the Lord's help in living in a way that pleases Him instead of trying to do it on my own, especially in the area of genuinely loving others around me. Someone else said, do less for yourself and more for others. Oh, the truth of putting others first, of seeking God. Last couple. A number of the ladies in our church encouraged, would encourage their younger selves, but quite frankly, encourage us to love God and serve Him wherever you are. Love God and serve Him wherever you are. Love God now, one person wrote. Don't wait for blank. Seek Him and rely on Him in all things. Oh, that resonates with me because there's so many times that we're waiting for, for this to happen or this next phase of life or this to happen or, or this job or this family event or whatever. Don't wait for blank. Seek Him and rely on Him in all things. Another person wrote, Seek God now. Don't wait because the younger you are, the more you can accomplish for His glory. Amen. Get into missions now. Enjoy the rewards of helping and serving others for God early enough in your life. This person came to the Lord in 2009, but they wish they would have done so earlier. Don't waste your years, your single years, your younger years. Serve, 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 and go on a short-term mission trip. Another category of, of just input for living for God, which... Um, you know, my, my heart, my heart goes with don't compromise and expect God to bless it. Sin isn't worth it. And, and I, I think about that and I think, couldn't we all say that to our younger selves? Couldn't we all say, don't compromise. Sin isn't worth it. You think you're chasing after something that's going to satisfy and it won't. This lady wrote, making a compromise with the intent of having a godly outcome is sin, and God will not bless it. Another one wrote, remain pure. When you don't, you'll regret it later. The beauty of these things is the things we already read, that God is a God of grace and God is a God of forgiveness. So the things we learn now, we can pass on, but oh, we don't have to stay in that place. One of the things I I see in that is None of those ladies had to stay there because they've experienced God's grace and His forgiveness and now they're able to say, walk with God. 
because God has drawn them close. Just some words from some of the ladies in our church. And to, to the ladies, young and old, we, uh, these reflect, like I said, all the way from, from young teens to as old as we have here. And to the ladies, I would say thank you. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for sharing truth and God's truth. And just like we started by saying, what can we learn from mom? What can we learn from each other? How can we pass on truth? Those are things that are so precious that as we come together as community, as the, the power of God's family coming together, we recite those truths to each other, remind those truths of each other, and we all walk away with our straight faith strengthened. Thank you, ladies. I love a, a short poem that I'll end with. And this comes back to motherhood for Mother's Day, but this idea of passing on. Mom, when you thought I wasn't looking, I saw you hang my first painting on the refrigerator door, and I immediately wanted to paint another one. When you thought I wasn't looking, I saw you feed a stray cat, and I learned it was good to be kind to animals. When you thought I wasn't looking, I saw you make my favorite cake for me, and I learned that the little things can be special in life. When you thought I wasn't looking, I heard you pray. And I knew there was a God whom I could talk to and whom I could trust. When you thought I wasn't looking, I watched you make a meal and take it to a friend who was sick. And I learned that God wants us to love others. When you thought I wasn't looking, I saw you read your Bible every morning and knew it was important to draw close to God. When you thought I wasn't looking, I saw you take care of our house and everyone in it. And I learned that we should take care of those God has given to us. When, I thought, when you thought I wasn't looking, I saw how you handled your responsibilities, even when you didn't feel well, and I learned to be responsible as I grew up. When you thought I wasn't looking, I saw tears come to your eyes, and I learned that sometimes things hurt in this world, and it's okay to cry, but trust our faithful God through it. When you thought I wasn't looking, I learned how to walk with God. I learned how to love Jesus. That's what I'd say to my mom. And ladies, thank you. Thank you for the example you have been of how to walk with God. Happy Mother's Day. We celebrate with you. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you for your word. And Lord, help us to take these words to heart, to, to pass on our faith to our kids by guarding our own souls, by remembering and rehearsing what you've done and then passing that on to each other, to our kids, to our church family. Lord, build a strong family here that loves you above all else and is ready to be used for your purposes and make an incredible impact in this world. Lord, guard our souls. Remind us of your faithfulness. Lord, thank you for being a God who is near, who has done so much. Forgive us for the things we have forgotten. Forgive us for living a life that means we have forgotten sometimes and doing things. And help us to remember your faithfulness, your grace, and your mercy. In your name, amen.